0: Good morning, Rock Harbor. Good morning. morning. It's good to see you this morning. Got a good, uh, good lesson ahead for us. Let's uh, jump right in on page 12 in your study guides. Talks about the the Bible speaks to individuals through the Scriptures. God speaks to us. So, do you agree that the Word is alive and living? Amen. Amen. Okay. So. So we, we, we agree this morning that the the Bible speaks to us, and, and obviously you know if we're gonna if if we're going to say that the Bible speaks to us, then the only other logical question then to ask is are we listening? That's the mm-hmm. it, only, it only makes sense. I mean, if you got you got a living Word and it speaks and it's it's alive, then then the other half of that is is who is it speaking to, which is me, and am I listening uh, to what it has to say? Key verse in uh, Psalm one nineteen uh, ninety eight says. Uh, thou through, though through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. Introducing the study, says the word of God is full of value, authority, and guidance. But how would you find these things unless you seek them out, personally engaging in the study of scriptures? So it's a it's a it's a base thing that we talk about and you've heard we've talked to the pastors talk about it and i've talked about it uh, numerous times when we talk about what the word actually has in it well you know from the very start it, we have to first understand the value of the word we we get what's actually inside of it and when you get the value of the word you get the authority of the word and you get the guidance of the word and there's really the the lesson points out three really important things there and we don't have time to go through all three of them we're going to let the lesson kind of take us through what it wants to take us through but there's three major things there just when we're talking about the content of the word and what it does. But well, when it says here, it says, but, but how would you find these things unless you seek them out, personally engaging in the scriptures or the study of the, the scriptures? Um, well, most of the time, a lot of Christians know what they know because of what someone else told them. I'm not necessarily saying that's a wrong thing. But when we start to look at it from the angle of study of Scripture, then if everything you know is only because somebody told you, then you're actually missing a big part of what needs to be active in a believer's life, which right. is Ignite. the study of the Scriptures. And, and you know, we, we've listened, we've talked about it many times in here. How important it is to study the Scriptures, read the Word, find out for yourself, go find, go look it up. Let God deal with you as an individual, and I get—I mean, I get conviction. You know, we're in these services, and I hear the word. It's—it's um, it's biblical to get such, to hear the word, and then there's conviction, and there's a stirring, and the, the spirit moves. That's the way it's supposed to be. But if you—if you take that and you just make that your main source of of let's just let's say sustenance, your the way that you get fed spiritually. If that is the only way that you get fed spiritually is by what you get on Sunday morning or what you get on Wednesday after or evening, uh, if that's the only way you get your feeding, then you are missing a huge part of it. Not only that, but you are probably spiritually going to be starving to death. That's the truth. You're probably spiritually going to be starving to death. So uh, a big part of this is not just It can't be just from what somebody told me. It's got to be. It's gotta be. (coughs) Me asking internalized questions, and we'll get to the internal part of this here in a minute. Me asking internalized questions. What does that mean? What does that mean to me? How does that work for me? Let's go look. And then you begin to open up the word, you begin to look and ask questions, and you've heard me say it before, I think questions are fantastic. You need questions. I hope you're asking questions. I hope you're asking a bunch of questions. But also at the same time, I hope that you're looking and 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 trying to find the answers on your own. And then if you're and if you're not, it's like I was talking to a brother the other day. He was like, uh, he was he was interpreting a scripture for me, and he asked me if that's what it meant. And I said, not exactly. Let me tell you where this scripture, this particular scripture, steers in another direction. There were one or two words in there that actually changed the whole course of the way that it meant. He was reading it and looking at it and defining it or, or trying to define it completely from what it was saying on the surface. And he said, do you think that's what it means? I said, well, it's not, it's not what it means. Let me show you why. And I said, have you ever looked in a, a Strong's concordance? Have you ever looked up the actual meaning of those words? He goes, I don't even know what a Strong's is. Okay. Let's start with that. So I sent him a, and it was a, I've got a, I've got a Strong's at the house, but I also keep a Strong's on my phone that I can look up when I get a word. It's like I get a word and I'll type that up and see if I see if I can find out what the actual meaning is in the Greek. So I was uh, I told him about it. He said, Man, that's I didn't even know those those kind of things existed. Now I'm not telling you it has to be that way for you. All I'm telling you is, is that when you ask questions, at some point in time, you're going to start digging in some things and start looking in some places that maybe you've never looked at before. You're gonna start when you ask those questions biblically, you ask questions, that's like. And, and I'm not saying that I've, I've done just, a, just a, uh, an astounding amount of, of history work but a lot of my questions have, have led me to history. It led me to look in history, you know, of the church and ask questions. Well, how did we end up here? How did we how did the church end up like it is today? Well, I mean, if you're going to ask that question, then you got to go looking So you start backtracking. You know, start tracing the dots, you know, all the way down to the Puritans and the, you know, let's go back into Europe and, and everything that was happening over there and so it you ask questions you're gonna find but you're gonna have to look and uh sometimes you'll ask people say well, what do you think about this they may not know but you can't let your search die there you got to keep looking so i uh, hope you're asking questions and i hope you're you're looking for the answers um this lesson emphasizes the benefits of bible study as we interact with it on a personal level god's word is formative formative meaning it's it's uh it's it's discipline, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it creates, it moves, it does things, it's, it, it, it uh, helps you in, in your uh, your quest, what you're looking for. It establishes us and provi- uh, provides wisdom for our lives. His word directs us in his ways as we internalize it, and it provides sweet nourishment to our souls. Okay, so here's the word internalize, and, and actually, I let me, let me finish that sentence out. Nourishment to our souls when we study it. You get nourishment when you study it. But it said here in the lesson that we, as we, it said, uh, his word directs us in his ways as we internalize it. What does that mean to you? Right, right. So, and that's it. Can, do you think that's a heart thing, or do you think it's a mind thing? Which is it? It's a heart thing. Well, I mean, if it's if we if we go from a mind angle, from a mental angle, we would debate it. And I'm not necessarily opposed to debating what things mean. I think it's fun, as long as we do it all in in good, you know, the goodness of 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 just trying to find good answers. But at the at the at the very uh, base of the word is is the heart. It deals with the heart. You cannot you cannot take the the uh, information out of the word and unpack it and take the spirituality out of it. And a lot of people have. They take they they're like, well, you know, it's this it's this great book that was written by these these individuals. It's a great piece of history and there's a there's a lot of great things for learning. I've listened to clinical psychologists that have actually taught lessons that were not Christians on God's word. Just simply from the angle of information because it was so intriguing. But at the at when you're listening to it, it's great information. But it doesn't hit you in the heart because it's not about the heart coming from that angle. So you've got the mental aspect of it and you got the heart aspect of it.
1: I was just going to add, if it's a mind, a mind thing, you can forget it. But when it's in your heart and it's internalized, mm-hmm. it becomes part of you.
0: Yes, it does. I wanted, I'll tell you this and I'll, we'll keep going. I listened to, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, know him or not, uh, Jordan Peterson, he uh, clinical psychologist. He was in a they were at a round table talk and he was uh, with some other christian men and this is what he said in this video that i watched he said i've read through the bible and i've taught lessons on it and, and different things like that he said you know what intrigues me and this is coming from a this is coming from an unbeliever standpoint from the heart but understanding that there's something there he said if the resurrection of Christ happened exactly like the Bible says that it did. We, as people in humanity, can't even wrap ourselves around what this guy did. This is coming from a clinical psychologist. He said, there's no way we can we'll wrap ourselves around it. Now, you could say, well, he didn't say it correctly. you got to understand, he said it from an unbeliever's perspective. But he understood that there was some content there that was just unfathomable. It's like there's something there. There's something there that is just more than we can even conceive. He said if what he did, if he, if he did what he says he did, it bore the sin of, of the entire humanity on his shoulders and took it for us, we don't even understand fully what was done for us. Anyway, that talk went on. So you can't unpack one and then, and then leave the other. You, you can't have a, a cognitive understanding and then leave the heart of it out of it, you cannot do that. God deals with the heart. All right. So, um where was I at? Sorry. Verse um, two through. Uh, as you read. As you read. Am I on pick
2: to our soul and we study.
0: It. Oh yeah, I'm not as even down there yet. Sorry guys. <laughs> When we study it. as you read this lesson, think about the importance of meditating on the Bible in your personal life and how you should engage in the Word on an individual level. Individualization, talking about you individually, not collectively.
3: Personal.
0: Not collectively. Collectively is great. Collectively has a place, but it can't take the, the place of individuality. Because why? Because what, what comes first? What comes b- first before you can be collective, Individual. You can't be collective without an individual individuals make up collectiveness and so when we come together that makes it collective but if you i mean you think about it if you have a bunch of unbelievers it doesn't matter if you put a bunch of people together talking about you know biblical issues you're still not going to get to the heart of the matter it's 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 a collective group of believers you come together there's a collective power there but we do not get a great collective power unless individuals are seeking it out on their own and figuring it out on their own. Learning things on their own. Coming in and saying, man, God, show me some stuff. i got to tell you about this. Or just being completely blown away in your spirit that God would even speak or show something to you like that. I mean, there's just an awe to it. Okay. Let's read our scriptures this morning, page 13. Jennifer? You this morning? Thank you.
1: Psalms 1-1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinner takes or in the way the sinner take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prosper, not so the wicked. They are like shaft that wind blows away, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 119.1 Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are not to be fully obeyed. Oh that my ways are steadfast in obeying your decrees then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws I will obey your decrees do not utterly forsake me I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you Oh how I love your law I meditate on it I meditate on it all day long Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path.
0: Thank you. Very good good word section 1 God's word forms us psalm 1 speaks to the challenges God's people face while walking with him would you agree that there are some challenges some serious challenges the person who heeds the instruction of this psalm is called blessed a reference to a happy state of being the word can produce blessings that stabilize our lives calling us to reject evil okay so think about that sentence right there. The word can produce blessings that stabilize our lives. What would that, I mean, stabilize, what does that mean? What are we talking about? If the word stabilizes you, what does that mean? Gives you balance. Okay, it gives you balance. We put we put our feet on a solid rock. Solid rock. Everything else is sinking. See? Right, There is no. so we know the stability is coming from where we are putting our feet. So the word of God is based on. We know the Word of God is based in that, steeped in our belief in Christ. That's where the stability comes from. As I said, we said this before, I, I appreciate the fact that we, we have the kind of, well, I don't know, how do I say this? I appreciate the fact that our country was based on morality and the things like that were, that come from God's Word. I appreciate that, but you cannot unpack those, as I said before. As a country, and to say, well, we want we want to go ahead and have those things, but we don't necessarily want to serve the God that formed them. You see what I'm saying? You you can't have one and not the other. He was the creator of all morality, and you know we talked about this last week. Um, he's the creator of all those things, so you can't have good. You can't have good without the one who is good. Amen. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. So. If, if you really want to know at the heart of it, I mean that's really where our, st- our country is struggling right now, tremendously, uh, and that's where you get uprooted, is because you you take the you take those fundamentals and you take those things and then you you throw them in a court of law and you put them in front of people who don't believe in those things. You put all those things. I mean they're subject to change. People are going to change those things. They have different ideas about what they think it should be or should not be, and all of those other things. But see, if you believe in the one who formed them, you'll know that you can't compromise on those things. This is why I've I've said this many times. This is why we need believers that are in the church, in places of of power in the country, because um, we're asking people, i say this loud, I wish we were on TV right now, I said the church is asking people to defend its values and, and putting it in the hands of people who don't believe in the God who formed those values. So, do I think it's great that there are some people out there fighting for those things and trying to keep those things in there? Absolutely. But it's going to take more than that. It's going to take some people with conviction to stand up and say, hey, we're going to do it a different way here. We're going to have to do it a different way. Sorry. Okay. Um, and I wrote this down. I got. I want to say this. God, uh, the, the Word of God is not a supplement. So, if you take supplements, what do you do? What does that mean? If you're taking a supplement, what does that mean? Something to get you by. Right. Supplement. If you supplement something, like a, like a vitamin. The reason it's they call a, it's it is... not a
1: meal. Right. It's just a...
0: It's to assist you with, with when you eat. If you're lacking something in that, then you, you can go over here and get a little more over here. The Word of God is not a supplement. Okay? A whole thing. You don't get to add the Word of God in, and that's what we we're seeing it today. That's what a lot of people are doing. They want to add the Word of God in and say, well, I need a little God. I need a little church. That's that's a supplement. Actually, what God's word is in an, is an inoculant to sin. That's what it is—an inoculant. What that inoculant is? So, so if you get if you get bit by a snake, you need the inoculant. You need something to inject in there that nullifies the venom. You and I are in great need of the inoculant to sin, and the inoculant to sin is Christ. So once you receive Him, that that breaks the chain. Well, the chains have already been broken, but. You're accepting the finished work uh, of being able to to banish the power of sin over your life. That's an inoculant, not a supplement. You can't, you can't supplement. You can't have supplementation for sin. You can't just come in and say, "Well, I'm gonna have a little bit of sin, but I got a little, I got some issues over here too." We're just gonna kind of. I need a little of God's word to kind of get me by. It can't. It can't be a supplement. It's got to be more than that. Verses two through six spell out the the contrast between those who walk with God and those. Uh, Live in sin. Note how the psalmist describes right away by pointing out how not to live. Wrong living places a person on a tragic progression of sin. I like that. I like what they said there. I like how the the lesson puts that. The psalmist describes right living by pointing out how not to live. Well so well how else would we find how else would you find out how to live right if you weren't pointed out that you were doing it wrong? it just makes perfect sense. But if you you think about this though, that's problematic in today's time. Nobody wants to be told no, that they are wrong. wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, cuz
1: everybody's always right, right?
0: It's something I yeah, it, it, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's something I've been spending quite a bit of time with. my boys have been working with me. Mm-hmm. And I take them out and we're we're doing jobs and different things like that. And one of the things that I've been trying to, to teach them, because they get frustrated easy, it's like, well, you're not doing that right. Oh, you, know, they, you know, you think about it when you was a kid, you get mad, you oh my goodness. I said, listen, you have to fail. And you gotta be okay with failing in life. You gotta be okay with that. You gotta be okay with failing. You gotta be okay with making mistakes. And you have to, at the same time, own the fact that you blew it and that you made a mistake or that you are in the wrong. If you cannot do that, if you cannot be okay with failing, then you can never be right. Ever. You're off on the wrong foot completely. Be okay with failing. And if you're okay with that, if you can you can become acquainted with the the that correlation between failure and success and understanding that you're only going to get it right once you get it wrong. And and what's the saying? Anything worth doing right is worth doing well. Anything uh, worth doing right is worth doing it wrong. Is worth doing it wrong because you can't be right without being wrong. And that's that, guys. That's the same in every aspect of your life, and that's the same thing in Christianity. There's just times when we just have to admit I was wrong. But I think if you will examine your life. And look at look across the board, and think about the times when you've had some of the harder times, or you've been in, uh, or you had a fight with your spouse, or you've been in a you know a, a rift with somebody about a certain situation. Whatever the the thing is, you come right down to it. It's it's a fight and a battle between who's right, and who's wrong. And 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 I I can openly admit, I have wasted days defending something I knew was wrong. I just didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> I think everybody has been in this boat okay I just I just didn't want to be wrong so what do you do you know you you defend you defend you defend you defend and at the at the at the very center of it I start to look and I think well now truth be told <laughs> I'm wrong truth be told you know let's move my emotions away you know from the whole thing I'm, I'm wrong so they, when it says that wrong living uh, places a person on a tragic progression of sin. So, what is it that we're having trouble with today? People recognizing that there is sin and that it's wrong. I was talking with a
4: lady over the weekend. And she was we were talking about the Bible and what we believed and everything. She looked that and she said, You are precious. She said, well, you think everybody you ought to believe it? like you do. And I personally don't believe that way. And said, I don't think it's right. I said, well, I'm just telling you how I feel. Sure. I'm not trying to make you believe like, well, you are, you're prejudiced. It's very prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Why know I, mean, I was prejudiced. I mean, that's the first time I've ever been told that.
0: Well, I, I, th- I think that's a compliment. I think it's a compliment, it's a compliment because... <laughs> If the, we, we talked about it last week, every belief or every faith believes exclusivity. meaning we believe everyone everyone thinks that they're the right one. The only and the difference and we talked about that last week, the difference is is that I actually have a book and I can prove it even historically. Amen. I can prove it. And where where the fight is is whether people will accept what you are showing them or whether they won't And you know just well as I do you can't get in those kind of battles because. They're just, they're just not going to have it. They're not going to receive it. But I, I consider that a compliment, Thelma. I think that's great. I, I'm looking for myself to be called prejudice soon. <laughs> I think it's great.
2: When, when you get into a situation like that, it's not its not hard to be when you're in the presence of maybe uh, unbelievers and you're the minority. Right. Gotcha. Okay. But when you're in the presence of believers, and <clears throat> supposedly believers, mm-hmm. or they've got their—that's why there's division in the church. Mm-hmm. That's why they're their way, just being saved, mm-hmm. just just the mere fact of I believe that Jesus died for me, and was buried and raised again, and that's my salvation, mm-hmm. and and I turn from turn. Well, no, no, I don't think so. I think that's a I think you have to be baptized, uh-huh. or you're not, you're not saved. Right. Well, I don't know, man, it throw a big old flag up to r- those states, and <laughs> then, you know, I know that I know that that's what I've been taught, and I've had to search,
1: huh?
2: and I've had to ask questions, and. It's it's a struggle when it's someone you love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And they're calling you out. Right. Yeah, and it's you know, we've uh, I've had some, I've had some good discussions, and I've had some bad discussions with individuals on, and uh, there are times coming from a, a doctrinal standpoint, there's times that you just have to drop. It's like okay let this we're not we're not going anywhere with this conversation we're just going to have to just drop this thing because you and i even if we differ and I'm, I'm just giving i'm just throwing this advice out there even if we differ on doctrine if one differs on doctrine or or whoever if we if we if we differ on doctrine simply because my faith asks me to my faith asks me to approach everything with love and compassion so my faith tells me that even though if if we're in a disagreement i still when this is over with we're okay we're okay it's fine we don't have to agree now let me let me flip the coin if somebody says their that their faith is telling them that they have to prove it and they have to throw it out there and they have to they have to prove you wrong in order for to be validated guys that's a red flag you should not even feel, none of you should feel, as so you have to prove yourself to anybody. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't feel is uh, an obligation to prove the worth of the word. The word proves itself. The word proves itself. And at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to lay it down and say, okay, alright, it's fine. That's what I believe, you believe that, it's fine. We, we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to agree to disagree, but I value you as an individual or my relationship, it's its more important than me trying to convince you. And I've been in these debates, guys. I, I understand. And, and sometimes you can have some good ones, and you can exchange some good information, and it's great. And then there are, sometimes you can't, and you got to drop it. All right. Uh, going on. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly is the beginning as the person allows uh, the values of the world to sway him or her. So we're talking about, remember, we're talking about wrong living. And being pointed out how not to live. So, so walking in the council of the ungodly is the beginning. Meaning, you're you're listening to people you should not be listening to. You're listening to people that are contradictive to, to, to God's word. As a person allows the values of the world to sway him or her. Okay. Uh, number two, standing. Standing in the way of sinners refers to abiding with the wicked person who disregards God's commands. Number three, the progression then moves. To sitting with the scornful. This refers to those who mock God in His ways. At this point, the person has started to become comfortable with both the presence of sin and its terrible effects. So that's that's a strong one there. And, I'm, and I wish we had more time to talk about it. But being comfortable with sin—that's that's a that's something that as Christians we should never stand for. There should not be a comfort zone. With sin, and, and I'm I'm saying this on multiple levels because sometimes you got to de-root it. I'll never forget. Now he's not in here, so I can I can go on about it. And Sean, I've known Sean ever since we was kids, and I knew his brother. and We would go over to his house. We'd play basketball, and his mama was a praying mama, and I was I was unsaved. Valerie was a praying woman, and I knew I knew her when I was 14 years old, and she'd make little Tostitos pizzas for us and bring them out to us while we was playing basketball. Anyway. This lady would not tolerate sin in her house. i seen it with my own eyes. I was there when I was, I'd be laying there asleep. We'd stay the night, and she'd find something. Sean won't mind me telling you that, he, that she'd find something that wasn't supposed to be in there. Sean, Scott, one of them brought it in, and she would come unglued. Here she come. And I was like, it's time for me to go. <laughs> it's time for me to get out of here. And she said, did you bring this in here? Boy, and here we go. I was like, all right, I'm out. I'm going. I'm going to go outside, guys. When you're done, let me know. She was. At, now, I learned from those things. I, I was greatly affected. She knew my mom real well. They was My mom was praying, and we was heathen kids. That's what we were. We were heathen kids. We didn't know any better. But that those things affected me. Affected me. I didn't know you knew Valerie.
4: I love Valerie, yes, she's a good
0: friend of mine. Awesome. That's awesome. I didn't know you. Yeah. Valerie great great woman. That's awesome. And so so when um, when we when we start to not see sin the way sin needs to be viewed, then we start to, to act differently. We won't uh, church, if you don't see sin the way that it, it, the way that it offends God, and not only the way that it offends God, but also the way that it affects us, then I don't think that we can be serious Christians. I just don't think he can. I don't see how that's even possible. That we can say, okay, I'm going to be, I really want to sell it to God, and I really want to give him my life, and I want to do everything I can to, uh, to to please him, but yet we allow sin to stay around. That's the very thing that we're trying to get away from, that he saved us from. So how in the world would we want to, why in the world would we want to keep it around? I don't believe we can be serious if we're keeping it around. Go ahead, though. Also, well,
4: uh, oh, people in there say, well, Back then, we used to yeah, we didn't do this and we didn't do that. But you know, now it's a new generation. We have to forget that. For the new generation. What a great I point! Don't forget that. Right. Well, what was sin there is sin. Today. That's right. it
0: mm-hmm. and, and, and. It'll be sin. It'll be sin. Exactly. It'll be sin. And that's it's so important to understand those fundamentals. It's those. It, those are, there are some basic fundamentals there that can never be abandoned. You can't abandon those. I mean, look at, look at the Israelites and look at some of their history. And maybe maybe they had that through one of their generations. It had to have happened to some extent where the generation would come up and say, ah, phooey on those old, those old fundamentals of serving God and going to the temple and doing proper sacrifices because that's what they would do. They'd get into other idol worship that was more appealing, and then they'd fall into that, and then God would banish them, put them into slavery let people take over, let them go into famines and all this other stuff to wake them up, to get them to understand you cannot abandon those things. You just cannot abandon those things. And and so the enemy, he always comes in with uh, with a slick idea that these are old-fashioned. And and I believe that you can do different things. I think God is a God of of newness. I think you can do different things, but you can never abandon the fundamentals. You just can't. So, anyway... But there is a godly alternative to this progression. Delight uh, or f- find joy is God's commands by meditating on them. This simply means taking moments to ponder perhaps silently the significance of the word and how it applies to our lives. Taking moments to ponder, that's meditation. Psalm 1:3 provides a powerful uh, word picture to contrast the difference between those who delight in God's commands and those who assume the position of mockers. All who delight in the word find stability like a tree securely planted alongside a source of constant provision and nourishment. Like a tree planted by the water. The move. The I shall not be moved. You, you think about the song and in, in the scriptural content that we're talking about here. So when we find the word, we find the stability like a tree securely planted alongside a source of constant provision and nourishment. This tree will remain strong because of its place beside the river. The mockers of the word are far different. Verse 4 compares them to chaff, the outer layer of wheat kernels that is blown away by the wind on the threshing floor. It is a picture of instability and ultimately destruction. Well, you think, and I like to try to, and it helps me to look at things from the big picture. Sometimes I think we get discouraged. You look at sin or you look at things that are sinful and you think, people get away with everything. People get away with injustice. People get away with all kinds of things. Well, let's let's look at it from this angle. You think about the way that it compares here in the verse. It says, The mockers of the word are far different, and compares them to chaff, the outer lay of wheat kernels that is blown away by the wind. Well, let's not look at judgment and and things like that necessarily on a week-to-week or month-to-month basis. But the fact that in the grand scheme of the thousands of years that this thing has been around, we're just this little bitty speck and we come and go from one generation to the next like the wind blows. But the difference is, is that right now, because I know Christ, I'm actually living in immortality. When I pass from this life, my life doesn't end. I'll go, I'll go be with him. It will continue on. See, see, the angle's different. But for the unbeliever and for the unrighteous, these are, I didn't make it up. The Bible says that there's a whole different ending for that individual. And so when I look at that and I read those, you think, man, there's just, there's so much injustice in this world. Yeah, but it comes and goes like the wind. I mean, it's, it's, you think, you know, these people are evil over here. They're going to get old and pass just like you. And it goes, and then it bleeds right off into the next generation for them to decide how it's going to go for them. And so, um, it's encouraging to me and helps me see things from a bigger from a bigger bigger perspective that it's not all this weight on my shoulders and I'm fighting against all these things. I'm 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 in my prime and I'm and I'm out in the middle of everything, but there'll come a time when I'm not. And there'll come a time when, when, when someone else takes over, and there's come a time when that generation changes and it shifts, and then there's a whole nother story coming through. You just hope that story is righteous. That's what I'm hoping. Okay, the ungodly person is crushed under the burden of sin, uninterested in God's commands. As a result, he or she will not be able to stand among God's people and will ultimately experience judgment. In contrast, the righteous are known by God. Known by God. Verse 6. Hey, let's go back and look at that real quick. Let's just see what it says. Verse 6. It says, um, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay. Okay. Going back here, it says, in contrast, the righteous are known by God. You know what I think is good about that is I mentioned this Wednesday, I believe. I think about what is said on Judgment Day when he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Which which, what he's implying is, is there's no relationship between you and I, meaning there's actually a lack of righteousness. There's not a righteous living that's going on there. He said, I don't know you. I never knew you. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. You're standing before me and you're talking to me and I hear what you're saying, but I don't know you. But he says right here in contrast, the righteous are known by God. He said, "I know you. I know who you are." That that really weighs on me too. That there's it's even more severe than I thought. You know, when God, you know, on Judgment Day and He He, he separates you know the right on the left and the he, he tells the one enter in my good and faithful servant, servant uh, to the to the promises that await you. You know, eternity, eternal life with Him. Well, then for the other ones, he says, depart from me, I don't know you. And that is powerful to say, I don't know you, because they were under the impression that they knew him. That's, oh, it's it's that's powerful. It's powerful stuff. To, uh, the, the living, the creator of the universe, the living God to tell you, I don't know who you are. You're telling me you've done all these things? I'm, I don't know who you are. Whew. <laughs> Uh, when I was when I was young Christian and I read that scripture, I always looked at that from in the sense that at that point God was saying, "I don't know you anymore," and then there was this cutoff and they were cast into outer darkness, never to be you know known again. But God inspired me one day. It's like, no, no. I said, "I never knew you," meaning there's no past relationship. You've done all these works, you're holding them up high, and we never had a relationship. You do not have my righteousness. That's powerful. That's powerful. Okay. This verse speaks specifically to relational knowledge. God's uh, covenantal, am I saying that correctly? Actions toward us. He knows us and he will act on our behalf. He knows his acts well, acts to save, acts to provide, to forgive, and to bless. As we walk in the way of the word, we can rejoice that we are known by God. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's go to section two. God's Word directs us. Psalms 119 brings with three uh, with three action verbs relating to our response to the Word. Walking, keeping, and seeking. In a practical sense, then we find Scripture instructing the believer to walk every day in the way of the Word out of a deep desire to follow God. Well, what's practical mean? Practical means applicable. You, you actually apply it. You use it. So... When we see these things here—walking, keeping, and seeking—these are practical ways. Meaning, you actually can do them. You actually do them. Yeah, it's it's there. <laughs> Not
1: can. But you
0: do it. So it's so so we so we walk and we keep and we seek. It says believers need to resolve to turn from sin and toward God through the help of the Holy Spirit. Who who. Helps keep you away from sin. Who points out sin? Let's ask that. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So, what did we have in the beginning that pointed out sin? We had the old covenant and the commandments and the Levitical law that pointed out what sin looked like. It said, here it is, right here. This is what sin looks like. Well, then, and that's where the argument is as well. You know, that was the old covenant. And then all that's passed away now. Well, no. Actually not even close, is that we have? We still look at Levitical law and we see what was taught to them. It's a written form of document that says, these are the do's and don'ts. Don't do these things. Do these things. Don't do these things. But you do these things. It's very drawn out. I used to not like reading Leviticus because as a kid, it was just baffling to me. I was like, oh. one day I picked up God's word and I was reading, I started in Leviticus, and I started reading, and for some reason, they had to be the anointing. I was just absolutely engrossed in it. And I read through it, and I read through it, and I learned more than I had ever learned, and the the value uh, that was placed there in Levitical law that gave them and separated for them the difference between right and wrong. They had to have it. They had to have it. You couldn't go on without it. So now we have the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit points to and convicts us of things when they are wrong, he's now he's now he's with us. Now he says, okay, that's that's not right, and I like that because there are a lot of things that I can point to that are sin, obviously. But then the Holy Spirit deals with us as individuals, and he says, hey, that's when you do that. Do you realize that that's idol worship? That's not idol worship to you or to you, but that's idol worship to you. You got you got to put that down. See that's on a very internalized, personal level, where the Holy Spirit deals with us about our sins. But if we don't, if you don't care about sin, or if sin doesn't, if we don't understand the, the effects of sin, then what does it? What good is it going to do for the Holy Spirit to speak it to you? He will knock. He does knock. He knocks on the door and he tells us, "Hey, not a good thing to be involved in." Uh, in verses four through five, the psalmist prays for help. To walk in his ways. Today we can live in the assurance that God still gives us what we need. Does he give you what you need? Absolutely always gives you what you need. Not always what you want. Definitely what you need. Verses 6-7 through emphasize knowing the word as well as understanding its meaning. This includes internalizing it. Putting it into practice through obedience. But how do we put it into practice consistently? The psalmist exhorts the believer to place proper value on the word. A need illustrated well in verse 9 with a practical rhetorical question. How can a young person stay pure? What a great question, and what a great part of the lesson. This is the psalmist exhorts the believer to place proper value on the word. We've actually seen churches in, in this time that we're living in begin to stray away from that Amen. and begin to depart from the teachings of the word under the guise of generational thinking. And we probably could get away from that we could probably get away from doing it this way and before long you have a wheel that begins to turn and church once you turn that wheel to, to, to bring it back I'm not sure you can do that that would take it would take the full power of the Holy Spirit and conviction power of the Holy Spirit to bring a revelation of sin to people and, for, and, and an uprooting uh, of things that, that have gone in, on in churches that would need to be uprooted and just cast out completely in order to get back to where we would need to be. Uh, I'm not pointing anybody out. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm speaking from a very general perspective that there have been a lot of compromises. And I've listened to these people talk live. And I'm listening to them and I'm thinking, what? No. No. No, 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 no. We, we can't. We can't do that. We can't. You can't. You can't. Uh, consider Christianity and, and Islam to be similar beliefs. No, you can't. You can't infuse that into the church. No. Yeah, it's out there, and it's crazy. Uh, Pastor's talked about it before, and I've seen it before. It's called Charislam. Charislam. A little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Islam. Let's go to church together. We got to love each other. We're brothers. No, no. Now their, their, their God is not my God. Their God doesn't have a son named Jesus. It doesn't. You're prejudiced. Yeah. <laughs> I've received my compliment for the day. <laughs> that but that no if you ever and if you're ever approached with that ever, in, in in talking I was approached with this back when I worked at the plant with that very thing. It's like well I was talking to an Islam brother and. And and we found out that, that his, he said our God is the same, and I said well you know what and this is a this is this is supposed to be a this guy's supposed to be a staple, and he said yeah we got talking and and we have a lot of similarities and there are a lot of things in there and I said wow you know I didn't know that and I said no 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 no, and I said ask him if his if his God has a son named Jesus that died and rose from the grave ask him won't go well. Because they don't. And in fact they, they they'll refute it and they get plumb angry about it. Because the deciding factor is Christ. The, the, he's the Son. And he rose from the grave. Remember, it may look similar, but if it's not steeped in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, guys, it's false. It's falsehood. I mean, we can talk about God out in the ether all day long. I mean that's yeah. Sure it's gonna look similar if you serve a God G-O-D, small, lowercase g. I serve, God, uppercase g. Amen. Right? So so we have to understand that. So everybody that comes to you that wants to say that your God is the same as my God, ask him if their God has a son named Jesus, and ask him if he he died and rose from the grave, because that's the separator. (laughs) It really is. Okay. Um, The answer. Live according to the commands of Scripture. However, outward obedience grows out to one's heart right doing is the result of right thinking or of cultivating godly values and desires this is one of the reasons why we keep the word in front of us as much as possible because it's good to cultivate it's good to think about it it's what you want to think about um, yeah that at times that can be a struggle some of us live very busy lives I live a very very busy life uh, and I felt completely disabled lately with the fact that I, my radios out of my truck it failed on me so I jerked it out and I jerked all the wiring out And I listened to a lot of stuff that get me through my day I haven't had anything playing in my vehicle for like two weeks it's awful it's absolutely awful I hate it because that's where I get that's where I get a lot of stuff I'll be driving from one place you wait 30 minutes you can listen to a good sermon in 30 minutes mm-hmm. you can listen to some really good teaching in 30 minutes Amen. and so we keep it in front of us and it affects the way that we think
3: well a person's not saved can't understand the word that's mm-hmm. sure. right, because he, you you can tell them you know, about Jesus stuff, uh, but they can't understand it. No, right, because they don't have the spirit to understand. Mm-hmm. It. Right. Now, what's your say? I know after I got saved, it all come alive to me. Right. And after I received the Holy Ghost, it really come alive.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: but uh, it, it was different certain both times. But. Uh, a lot of the time before I was saved, and I'm talking about, you know, I thought I was saved when I was eight, nine years old. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was different when I got saved, right? When I was 27. Yep.
0: Well, and let's remember this: you, you, you're only you're only saved when God draws you. Mm-hmm. God's got to draw. I mean, I've heard of people making some conscious decisions to change their life, and then and then they fell under the conviction over you know over a short period of time and they're like okay now I really get it but God has to draw there's got to be a drawing from the Holy Spirit God's got to say hey I want you and then we enter in I mean I remember you know the palms sweaty hearts pounding and I'm and I'm scared to go down there that's the draw that's the draw that's that's what it is and it's its most primitive and pure form is that's what it kind of looks like is this you know, I'm, I'm about to step out. What is going on? Why do I feel this way? That's the call. He's calling yeah. you. He beckons you. But that has to be that's present, true, that's relevant. True when
3: you get talking to a sinner, they'll say, "Well, you're judging Right. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not judging you. We
0: just, you know, we know the word. Right. Exactly. You got to.
3: If you don't line up to the word.
0: Yeah. Then you know. Finishing this paragraph, or starting in the last paragraph, it says, "Yet yeah, Christians must prepare for times when their purity and holiness are challenged." Do you think it's being challenged today? Yes. I think the church is being called out. Maybe it's not being called out by the church. Um, just recently, the Supreme Court made a ruling, and it snuck in, man. Let me tell you, it snuck in because I'm, you know, I've got me, and and there's a couple others. I'm not. I'm not lifting myself up. It's just I'm concerned about these things. I'm always watching bills and laws go through, because there's some sneaky stuff that's piggybacks bills when they're put in, and you you would not believe the things they keep piggyback. They have nothing to do with anything. Well, there was a there was one that just recently came through that gave power to the government to be able to shut churches down if they deem necessary in the event of a pandemic. Now, whether you agree with or disagree with pandemic or not, that's beside the point. The point is, is that you don't have the power anymore. It's gone. It's been ruled on. So the ability now to be able to just say, hey, you know what? You guys are causing issues. And they can make up whatever they want. And they can mm-hmm. cut you off. You shut it down. That got through. That got through. It was piggybacked. Got in through in one of them deals and it was heard and... And 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 listen, I'm not trying to argue the fact of wisdom and the things that have happened recently about whether at times we should not be together or be together or what I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is is under no circumstances should the church give power away Amen. to a government Amen. to decide when we get to have our doors open and when we don't. Amen. That's problematic. Mm-hmm. And and you can You can have a belief system that's different from mine on on those other issues, on the pandemics. That's fine. That's not the point. The point is is that when the church gives its power away, it's given away. I think the church is being called out, and I think the church has to make a stand in that. I'm running out of time, guys. I'm sorry. Um, Let's go to section three, and then I'm going to finish up. God's Word informs us. The value of the Word in the life of individual believers can be seen in the marvelous wisdom it brings in their lives. In Scripture, the definition of wisdom includes an ability to understand the surrounding world and respond in a correct and godly way. The wise person knows and follows God's righteous commands. The psalmist also notes that wisdom that comes from God's word is not the kind of wisdom held by his enemies, nor is it the type of wisdom coming from a person simply by virtue of being a teacher or an elder. Um, though both could uh, certainly have this wisdom. Godly wisdom is unique, bringing discernment between good and evil. It helps the person grow strong in righteousness and obedience. So I'm going to stop right there, and and my, my final note on that is this, is that this wisdom that is being talked about here will at times even make you look definably stupid. It will. It will make you look unwise. But we have to to know God's word, and this is where it comes into play, is is understanding God's word and then then knowing where to stand. Because it's impossible. You don't know where to stand. You do not know where to stand if you don't know God's word. You are simply making a stand. And if you don't know what you're standing on, then your stand can be moved from one stance to another. Uh See what I'm saying? So that's problematic for the church if we don't know how to properly stand or where to stand. I'm out of town, guys. God bless you. Thank you.